Hi, I'm Kevin Barrett, blowing the whistle on crimes of the powerful since 2006. Please subscribe to the show. Go to truthjihad.com and click on the subscribe at Substack button. Welcome back. This is the second hour of tonight's Truth Jihad Radio. I'm Kevin Barrett, and I guess I'm a follower of Jesus. I practice Hello, the religion of Islam, Tom. but uh, <laughs> we Muslims are actually followers of Jesus, the uh, prophet <laughs> who's mentioned many, many times in Quran. Turns out that both of my radio guests tonight are also followers of Jesus. I hadn't really realized Richard Cook was, but we just learned that he he is. And now we're coming on with yet another follower of Jesus. I guess we're all followers of Jesus here on this bus. Tom Compton. Uh, Tom is a, well, he's, he's a, a follower of Jesus who has done some educational efforts around the issue of Christian Zionism. So let's uh, talk about that and more. Uh, welcome, Tom Compton. How are you? Oh, great. Thank you so much, uh, Kevin. I have been a big fan of yours for a number of years and supporter. And I, I like to think of your uh, your work as uh, thinking man's uh, uh, fuel, actually, for thinking men and women, I should say, to be politically correct nowadays. <laughs> well, and, we, we uh, do have some female listeners and radio guests here. Let's uh, <laughs> and Kat, Kat McGuire is doing doing more than just about any of the men I know uh, to wake people up these days, for example. Oh, I, I loved your last interview. I've listened to several interviews with her. So, yeah. And I love the divergence of people. Uh, my little um, corner of the world is with an organization called We Hold These Truths. That was started in 1996 by my longtime friend Chuck Carlson, and he's a fellow follower of Christ and uh, an activist. He spoke out against the Federal Reserve System back in the 70s. He gave talks on it. We did all kinds of activist things. I've known him for over 35 years. And so uh, our group was founded in 1996, but prior to that, Kind of interesting. I wanted to kind of give you a little background. First of all, I like to say I'm a follower of Christ, not a or, or Jesus, not a Christian, because there's so much baggage uh, with the with with certain Christians. A lot of Christians that give Christianity a bad name. If you if you get the drift here, and we'll talk about some of those, and maybe we can start off with one of the most uh, odious is uh, a guy named John Hagee with uh, Cornerstone uh, Church in San Antonio. He heads up a group called uh, Christians United for Israel. And uh, it uh, is supposedly, supposedly the largest uh, Christian Zionist uh, organization in the country. They claim 8 million followers. I'm actually on their list, so I'm, I, I guess I'm there uh, as a... Uh, uh, observer to all the lunacy that goes on with that organization. And our little group we'll talk about here has uh, actually challenged John Hagee and his group on a number of occasions. We've, we've, we've started what are called vigils, but the backing up in 1990, before the first war on Iraq, the first Gulf War, uh, Chuck Carlson was a deacon in a Southern Baptist church. And this was before any of us understood the concept of Christian Zionism or uh, Zionist Christianity. But what 
Chuck had done, he wrote a letter to, this was in December of 1990, 1990 just about a month before we attacked uh, Iraq, and he was urging his fellow leaders of the church uh, against going to war. Well, it fell on deaf ears, as we can all well imagine. But, but in 1994, he wrote an article for a national magazine. It was entitled Attacking Islam with the fall of communism in, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, we were without an enemy. And of course, the enemy de jour uh, has become Muslims. And so he understood this very well. And uh, in 1996, he and a uh, few of uh, followers of Christ uh, started We Hold These Truths. And uh, we've been uh, at it now for over 25 years. And we're just a, a small group. Uh, but one of the things that uh, he started out with, which was kind of interesting, it was uh, the attack on Sudan, which is, which was uh, primarily a, a Muslim country. And uh, it, of course, has split into two, South Sudan. They've had a civil war going there for 30-some years. But uh, yeah, and of course, that, that was a resource grab, as far as I can tell. That is yeah. that yeah, the, the Israelis were very much involved in it, splitting off South Sudan from the rest of Sudan and grabbing up the very rich uh, mineral and other resources from South Sudan. Uh, I think that was part of the uh, the seven countries in five years strategy that was behind 9-11. I, I would agree. And the interesting thing, uh, recall... Uh, after the attack on the uh, U.S. Embassy <clears throat> in Nairobi, uh, Kenya, uh, Bill Clinton uh, orchestrated a uh, bombing raid on a pharmaceutical factory in Khartoum, Sudan, saying that they were making precursors for weapons of mass destruction. Where have we heard that before? But um, it turns out that, uh, you know, there were no uh, weapons of mass. It was a pharmaceutical and uh, the Sudanese were trading oil uh, with the Iraqis. And, of course, we know what happened. Over 500,000 children died uh, during the 90s because of our embargoes, continued bombing there by the United States. And so it, it was a real catastrophe. But the other interesting thing that... Uh, and and, and, and before, before you move on from that, let's just remind listeners that um, John Perkins in Confessions of an Economic Hitman pointed out that the the economic and other hitmen, the kind of people he worked for at the World Bank, IMF, and then the uh, USG agencies, basically made Saddam Hussein an offer that he wasn't supposed to be able to refuse. He was supposed to do the same deal in oil for dollars that the Saudis were doing, and he didn't. He, he, he refused. He didn't want to sell out his own people. He wanted to use oil money to build up Iraq. Uh, and so that's, that was the reason that he became uh, the enemy, even though he had gotten his start in life as a CIA hitman, and he'd been very much involved with, with the Anglo-Zionist empire, but then he, he wouldn't cut that deal. And so he became the enemy. Well, that's exactly, I mean, that's just a repeat of what's happened so many times with the U S and and, you know, we're all deceived. I can go think back uh, in the 70s when uh, uh, 
the um, uh, Chile, uh, when Pinochet came into power, Salvador Allende was overthrown. And at the time, I thought, oh, he was a communist, and oh, wasn't it great? And then, of course, I found out later that it was an orchestrated coup. Uh, Henry Kissinger was behind it. And, you know, it, it's like we've done in so many places in Iran and so forth. But the interesting thing, getting back to Sudan as a side thing from a Christian standpoint, it was the fact the big thing in the late uh, uh, 90s was freeing slaves in, uh, in Sudan. And uh, th- this was really big business for, for Christian uh, churches. In fact, one of our members, for $35, you could uh, free a slave there in Sudan. Never mind that a goat costs more, but um, you know it was it was a catch and release program, and a lot of uh, churches fell into this. And in fact, there was a um, I think he was a actually a uh, elder of uh, D. James Kennedy Church uh, Coleridge Ministries in Florida that had contacted Chuck, and so he had the inside information. Well, they started the campaign to free the slaves, and it turns out it was one of their biggest moneymakers because everybody wants to help and feel good about doing such a noble deed. Well, you know, that's one of the things that Christians can bite into. And so... And interestingly, uh, we should... The, for, for Muslims back in the days of slavery, which was up until 200 years ago, everywhere in the world pretty much, um, it, for Muslims, it's always been a very good deed to free a slave. Uh, the free, you know, for freeing freeing your slaves is the best thing you can do. Well, I, I, I agree. And so, you know, we could smell a rat a mile away, particularly with all this demonization of, of Muslims and Muslim countries. You know, it was really an orchestrated, uh, you know, act that was going on. And uh, well, so the, started... the subtext was the Muslims were the slaveholders and the Christians were the slaves. That was the, that was their message. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. They were freeing the Christian slaves. Well, you know, there are some Christians in southern uh, Sudan. Uh, the animus religion, I think, was more common down there. And there were uh, uh, missionaries that made, you know, really good money out of this activity. It was, like I said, it was a catch and release program. And we detailed that in our website, whtt.org. It's got a wealth of information. We've uh, had the website now for over 20 years. And so we've accumulated a lot uh, of, of things, but kind of moving in uh, forward, uh, Chuck Carlson in 2002 took a trip uh, into Israel and he went into Gaza. This was in March of 2002. He had a contact with a uh, the Southern Baptist missionary there. He went in, spent, uh, I don't think about five days there. He actually stayed in a building owned by the Southern Baptist Convention that they were selling. They were pulling out. And the uh, he even visited a, uh, a Baptist church on Omar Nakhtar Boulevard. It was the old mosque, and the new mosque was right next to it, you know, and they lived, were living uh, peacefully. And the remarkable thing, uh, he got to speak to some college students, and he he did, um, you know, uh, spoke and uh, investigated. I loaned him my video camera, and one night he uh, heard all this commotion, went up into the roof, and there were 
Apache helicopters shooting Hellfire missiles, I guess. And during that raid, uh, four uh, Palestinians were killed and uh, 40 were injured. And the next day, he actually uh, filmed part of the uh, the funeral procession there. Uh, and so at the time, uh, the only way people would learn about something like that is when he came back and told them because, it, you know, the media was all we do get some, you know, it, there's been more coverage of, of late in the wars in 2008, nine and, and particularly in the 2014 wars and so forth. So that kind of set us on a course to um, at back at the time, then we, they didn't call it uh, Christian Zionism. And we ought to define uh, for people what is meant by Zionist Christianity and from our website, uh, Zionist Christianity is the belief that the present-day political state of Israel is the fulfillment of biblical prophecy. And we contend instead it is a secular state like our own USA and has assumed a semi-God status in the minds of many of the 50 million or more professing American evangelical and mainline Christians. Not so many mainline Christians, but yeah, uh, it is. Uh, it, it, it's quite amazing. And any of your listeners that uh, has occasion to talk to a Christian, they can do the little litmus test. They can ask this person, and they won't be offended at all. And by their reaction, you'll you can sort of uh, tell. But you ask them the question: Do you believe that the modern state of Israel is a fulfillment of biblical prophecy? And if they say yes, 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 and they're starting to levitate off the floor, well, your conversation is probably going to end right there because you, nothing you say will dissuade them, uh, you know, from changing their minds. A very difficult uh, a task to do, actually. Don't, and, don't you? Wouldn't um, you say that's a kind of idolatry to be worshiping the it, state of Israel like that? It is, but it's so wrapped in the theology. Uh, I, I want to tell just a little story. My dear wife passed away uh, just five years ago on November 1st, 2016, and she was a, a follower of Jesus. She uh, taught uh, women's Bible studies, and, uh, you know, she uh, became a follower of Christ in her later 20s, and she actually quit a high-paying job, went to a Bible college for um uh, a couple of years, came back, and then she really lived for the Lord. And uh, we were married in 1991 and live here in the Phoenix area. And uh, she taught these courses. And one of the courses that she taught was um, a, an outfit called Precepts Ministries. And they're out of Chattanooga, Tennessee, run by a woman, Kay Arthur. And um, when she passed away, there were 50 of the binders. I had no idea. You know, she was very diligent in all these. These were big, thick binders that she had for these courses that she had taught. Plus, there was another 25. But it turns out that Kay Arthur is a dyed-in-the-wool Christian Zionist. She would literally die for Israel. In fact, uh, I have a... Um, uh, a memorial for my wife, and if anybody is interested, they can go to our website, whtt.org, 
and put in the search engine, engine Linda Compton, and it goes into depth. And one of the examples we give of, of these hateful Christians, uh, K. Arthur, this is in 2014, and Anne Graham Lotz, the daughter of Billy Graham, the famed uh, evangelist, uh, are in Jerusalem. And it's a little video. We play the uh, audio portion of it. But they're urging people to come on their tour to Israel. This is during Operation uh, Protective Edge, I think. But that was the 2014 uh, one where over 500 uh, Palestinian children were murdered. Something like over 2,000. Most of those 75% or more were civilians. And uh, anyway, they're urging people to come because the Israeli government has said it's perfectly safe. And, you know, all we can say is what callousness. Uh, uh, it, it just goes beyond pale that Christians are so idolatrous. I think you're, you, you hit the nail on the head. It is an idolatry, and it's very difficult to come out. But my wife had been studying what we had been doing since the early 2000s. And so she had a very much a sympathy for uh, the Palestinians and the issue. But her theology it was what was known as dispensationalism, and we won't get into that. I mean, it's, it's a wide spectrum of, of beliefs, about, particularly about many times. But uh, at the same it is uh, this Christian Zionist belief that uh, Israel can do nothing wrong and whatever they do, God gave the land. I mean, she makes uh, clear this K. Arthur in another video that God gave the land to the Jews and in essence, the Palestinians have no right to live there. And so, but what was remarkable to me is that my wife told me, this is several years before she passed, that she would no longer teach these precept ministry courses. She developed her own courses, which took even more work and dedication. So that's how deep this belief can be. So it's very difficult to get people to come out of it. I never was, I never considered myself a a, a Christian Zionist or even, I always thought of it. Israel as the Marxist showplace in the Middle East. And, uh, you know, I really didn't think anything about the Palestinians, what was happening until Chuck went on this tour of into Gaza. And then what what happened in 2002, uh, in October, in the buildup to go to war for the second time against Iraq, there was a man named Richard Land. He was the president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. And they are very dispensational, and a lot of them are Christian Zionists and theology. But anyway, he wrote a letter that was addressed to, to George Bush, and it was signed by Chuck Colson of of prison fellowship, you know, he was one of the guys uh, in the Nixon administration went to jail and he became a Christian. He was a dyed-in-the-wool Christian Zionist. Uh, Bill Bright of Campus Crusade and this D.J. Kennedy from Coral Ridge Ministries. The letter said to George Bush that going to war in Iraq 
uh, would be uh, a just word according their, to their interpretation of the Bible. Well, Chuck Carlson and even me uh, understood that was a load of hogwash. That violates everything that Jesus taught. Jesus said, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And so when you we see people like this uh, flaunting uh, and ignoring what Jesus has taught us, then you have to wonder. Well, we did something so remarkable, uh, Kevin, I think, uh, in November. This letter came out in October. And Chuck, at the time, I didn't realize what was happening. Uh, Chuck was our key guy, and he did all the investigation. But anyway, um, he started a what we call vigils. And the first vigil was conducted in Scottsdale, Arizona, at a Southern Baptist church here in Scottsdale. And I didn't realize this till years later why he picked it, because of this Richard Land letter. And uh, we would hold signs up like, choose life, not war. Yeah, it and, sounds uh, like what you're doing is sort of the Christian, the Christian version of what Henry Herskovitz has been doing in Ann Arbor, picketing in front of that uh, Beth Israel synagogue that is also pro-Zionist. Uh, <laughs> maybe you guys should get together. Amen. And speaking of Henry, Chuck Carlson has gone to, to uh, Ann Arbor and stood with Henry Herskovitz in front of that that uh, synagogue that uh, he's been going to for 16 or 18 years now, it's, it's quite remarkable. In fact, our vigils, we've done two vigils at synagogues with uh, Jewish Voice for Peace. We would never do go in front of a synagogue, you know, as Christians, but we had um, uh, Jewish Voice for Peace. This was out in San Francisco. And uh, they really were wonderful assets because they just lit into people coming in. It was quite, quite something, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it, I just lost my train of thought here, Kevin. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Well, it's, um, it's quite remarkable all, all the, how all this works, but uh, going back to our vigils, uh, we conducted probably around 200 of these vigils, uh, over the years, and including at uh, John Hagee's uh, Christians United for Israel, their second annual meeting in Washington, D.C. This was in 2007. And some of our signs are no more wars for Israel. Imagine that. Uh, blessed are the peacemakers. But getting back to this choose life, not war, uh, you know, one of Henry Herskovitz signs, we haven't used it, is, uh, the victims have become the victimizers, uh, you know, in front of the synagogue. But the concept of choose life, not war, uh, I think was brilliantly picked because most evangelicals will tell you that they're solidly anti-abortion, but they're pro-American, they're pro-war. So they support these wars that kill people. And we know that millions of people in the last 30 years that our serial wars have committed in the Middle East for for Israel. These are wars in our sign. No more wars for Israel is so appropriate. It, it's um, you know it's mind boggling that uh, at these churches we, we find people that there are some thinking people at these churches. So we're looking for those few people. And one 
one funny anecdote. Um, there was a, an event in 2012 uh, in Washington. It was called Occupy APEC. Uh, it was sponsored by a number of groups, including uh, Code Pink. You know, yeah, I think I remember that. But, yeah. yeah. And they I actually ran into Medea Benjamin in Iran, I think, like a year after that. So, yeah, I remember oh, that. Oh, yeah. Well, she was there. Yeah. No, it was great. And so we were there. We had a booth. And um, uh, it, it, it was it was just fantastic to see all the uh, there were, I don't know, 250 people there. And then we did vigils in front of the uh, uh, of the convention center. Actually, the venue was at a, a Methodist church just almost across the street. But as a part of our effort, uh, Chuck uh, Carlson had picked a big mega church run. Uh, actually, the senior pastor was a Messianic Jewish guy. He was a Jewish guy that became a Christian. Anyway, uh, it was a, a Christian Zionist church, very large. They had five campuses and it was out in McLean and they had different branches. And we were joined by some of our Muslim, local Muslim friends there. Uh, that, that that's the amazing thing is that uh, <laughs> we we um, uh, what we're, we've done working with our Muslim friends uh, to try to expose our Christians to this, uh, you know, this heresy. Well, another occasion on Al-Quds Day, uh, Chuck Carlson was invited out to uh, Washington, D.C. area to talk. And and uh, uh, anyway, they did another a vigil and, and, and let, let's remind the listeners what what Kutz day is that's that's uh um, it was started by ayatollah khomeini and uh, in, out of iran uh to remind muslims of their duty to stand with the palestinians and so and then to yeah. invite others not just muslims but to invite everybody to stand with the palestinians thank yeah thank you for uh <laughs> you're right that that's an important thing uh but anyway um Two guys come out to, to, to talk with uh, Chuck, and there was actually only two. You only need one person to do vigils, and I've done uh, a few one-man vigils. They know you're there with your signs and so forth. Anyway, um, so these two guys, they're military guys, and um, uh, one of the signs that they were uh, carrying was uh, Chuck and uh, was uh, who would Jesus bomb? And uh, I don't know which branch of the military they were in, but uh, one of the guys had tattoos on all over him. And he saw that sign. It just resonated with him. And and he said, I'm going to get a tattoo. So through um, LinkedIn, some couple years later, we finally uh, connect up with him. And we've got a picture uh, on our website. He's got a picture of, of a bomb on his forearm, uh, Matthew uh five nine which is bless the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of god and so that's you know that's a constant reminder to people and so you never know how we um uh influence people with these activities you know it's it's a meager at at best but they know we're out there and the one of the things that chuck did was we always would send a letter to the pastor and the staff Letting them know, letting them know that we're coming and why we're going to be there, why we think they should cancel. Most of these events were Christians United for Israel. Let's make uh, Israel feel wonderful events. Uh, 
night to honor Israel and, and they had different uh, uh, venues. And uh, so, yeah, it, um, it's, it's fascinating. What has happened now, there's groups like uh, FOSNA, Friends of Sabil North America. Sabil is a Palestinian group of Christians, a variety of Orthodox and regular Christians, mainline, what have you, uh, calling for for justice. They they published the the Kairos document uh, a number of years ago, but this um, this uh, Fasna has uh, at least in 2019, when there was still a live event with Kufi's Christians United for Israel event, and of course they brought in all the big mega stars like uh, Mike Pence. And uh, uh, Mike Pompeo was the Secretary of State under uh, um, Trump. And this kind of reminds me that uh, one of the reasons people reject Christianity is when they see Christians like uh, Mike Pompeo, who made a big deal that he was a Christian. And yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, how does how does that work? You know, Mike. I've, I've read the the New Testament and I've seen what the Quran says about Jesus, and I just don't see how somebody like Pompeo, with you know his uh, taking huge bribes from you know this uh, Iranian uh, terrorist group and uh, being yeah. you know involved in encouraging the most brutal kinds of war crimes and killing, and you know very likely being a key yeah. guy behind the likely COVID bio attack on China and Iran that unleashed the this pandemic thing that we're in, you know, this guy is, he just oozes evil and you can kind of see it in his face. I mean, how do Christians who are people follow, following the teachings of Jesus, how do they reconcile that with somebody I, like Pompeo? I, I ask that question all the time. I spent a month in uh, my savior's birthplace, Bethlehem in August of uh of 2017, and an interesting story that was quite remarkable. I had a lot of head knowledge about the subject, but came back with a lot of heart knowledge. It was through a Christian group, but we met with Muslims. We even met with, uh, got the story from uh, radical uh, settlers, one in Hebron, and and uh, so we got the whole spectrum of what was going on uh, there, but uh, one of, was interesting. One of the gals that worked for the uh, the, the group they were with um, was from Brazil, and her father was a Christian. Turns out he was a Christian Zionist. And so, on the last day that I was leaving, I got to have lunch with this gal. Uh, her name was Danny, and a couple of other people. And uh, she was telling me the day before uh, she had called her father in Brazil. And uh, to wish them uh, Father's Day, I guess it's in August in in Brazil. But anyway, um, he was telling her this was at the time that uh, uh, Donald Trump was saying we need to kill the leader of North Korea, uh, this this, uh, young, whatever his name is. And uh, uh, then, of course, he started talking and things changed. But there was a. Christian Zionist pastor, his name is Robert Jeffress. He was one of Donald Trump's spiritual advisors. He gave the invocation at the dedication of the Jerusalem embassy for the United States back in 2018. Anyway, he came out publicly and said 
we need to kill the leader of North Korea based on Romans 13. In other words, Romans 13 says that um, leaders were instituted by God and that you should follow these leaders. Well, there's a caveat to there. If it violates what God has told us to do, then um, you should not obey it. You may suffer the consequence because the state wields the sword. So the sword, the sword. I'll get that. Of course, out. That, that's um, a, that's kind of a thorny. That's a thorny theological and philosophical question about following leaders. That in, in Islam we have some of that too. You know, to, to uh, follow the leaders among you, the al Amr, and and yet, you know, there's that debate about well, what you know, how how bad leadership should you tolerate? At some level, you have to. You know, there's a cutoff point where you can't accept uh, leadership that goes completely against all the moral teachings. Yeah, well, you know, the, the the thing that I wrestle with is, you know, one of the, Jesus told us to take the log out of our eye to uh, see the speck in somebody else's eye. You know, we're, we're blinded. And I can't judge these people, but I can certainly observe and challenge what they're doing. Um, you know, they may change and they may repent later on. But what we, we need to challenge, you look what happened to Dieter, Dietrich von Hoffer uh, challenging uh, Hitler during World War II, and he paid with his life. And yeah, it's, it, 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 you just, it, it's, it doesn't, it's a non, uh, it doesn't follow. It's a non-secretary. You don't, you don't understand how somebody who claims to be a follower of Christ, love your neighbors yourself, even love your enemy. And you know, blessed are these peacemakers. It just it doesn't uh, it doesn't jive. But because a lot of people in in churches are there because it's a you know it's a comfortable thing, uh, you know it's a social thing and what have you. Um, so there's there's lots of reasons why uh, they can go along with it. And you know, guys like this Robert Jeffers calling for the killing of somebody. Why wasn't there a big outcry of it? But people are so blinded. I guess, you know, we've been conditioned. There was a wonderful book uh, in the 80s. You you know, you're so well read. You probably read it. It's called Amusing Ourselves to Death by Neil Postman. Neil Postman. Yeah, that's a great book. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? <laughs> and one of the, he talks about entertainment. And, of course, religion, uh, Christianity, I mean, through the TV, it's, now, at the time, there wasn't when he wrote the book, there there wasn't an internet. But uh, you know, it, it is entertainment, and you see these big uh, outfits. We have one of the things that uh, we did early on, uh, right after the uh, Operation Cast Lead in 2009, we produced a a little four minute video for YouTube, and it contained a segment of uh, a vigil that. Uh, Chuck Carlson was doing in Denver uh, in front of a John Hagee event at a Christian Zionist church there. And uh, uh, with that was, I included a video of a prayer by John Hagee and a guy named uh, Benny Hinn. He's a faith faith healer. And uh, it was called, this is your day program. So Benny asked him at the half hour program to give a prayer. Well, he prays uh, to go to war. This is 
before the second Gulf War in 2003, a month or something before. And it's all about protecting Israel. Well, we got like 25,000 views in two or three weeks. And then it was um, was cut off because John uh, Hagee Ministries claimed they had the copyright. Well, the copyright was held by Benny Hinn. So there's, you know, there's no, no honor among thieves, I guess. But, um, you know, so uh, challenging these people needs to be done. We've actually conducted uh, a vigil in front of John Hagee's church. His mega church has got, I don't know, 20,000 people in San Antonio. So, uh, but we're seeing more uh, people like this uh, that I mentioned earlier, this Friends of, of Sabeel, North America. And there's a, a Jewish group called If Not Now. These are activists, leftists, I guess. Uh, and it's out in New York, and, and they had a branch in um, uh, in San Francisco area. So they got them around the country. But they're starting to challenge. And in fact, um, one of the churches that uh, a friend of ours out in the Bay Area uh, had done a couple of vigils within Modesto, and they were hosting these Christians United for Israel event. Well, it turns out this, if not now, uh, actually went there. We stand out on the on the sidewalks in public access areas. Well, anyway, this if not now group actually went inside and opened up banners and disrupted the uh, thing. We, we don't we don't recommend that. But uh, they also uh, at another. Well, I guess they've, they've got chutzpah. <laughs> yeah, they've got chutzpah exactly. And we said, hey, go go for it, you know. And so. You know, this has not become a a a, 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 a mass uh, type of event, but it needs to be done on a big scale. Um, for example, at my home church here in Scottsdale, uh, one of the uh, gals that uh, I've known, my wife has known for years, and uh, her ministry is definitely decidedly Christian Zionist. They brag that they're Christian Zionist and and what have you. But anyway. She convinced the senior pastor to have a, uh, uh, they called it a, a 911 remembrance, uh, and they invited a guy named uh, uh, Wally Chubat. Uh, his, his father. Oh, yeah, I, I, I had him on the show once. Uh, I had a, a very contentious conversation with him. <laughs> I, I can imagine you would because he's a con man. Oh, he's a, he's a fact, phony. He's a, he's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. He claims he was from like you know he's PLO. He's a Palestinian terrorist. He's a reformed Palestinian terrorist, and the whole thing is is pure BS. It's all, uh, you know, it's like the the Israeli equivalent of the Hill and Knowlton public relations firm yeah. that you know gave us the Iraqi incubator babies. Well, they gave us the reformed terrorists. Uh, while it's so bad to tell us how <laughs> evil the Palestinians are, how they deserve to be exterminated. Yeah. Well, here's the interesting thing, Kevin. Uh, Chuck had done some research, and uh, in the Jerusalem Post, by the way, folks, that's a Jewish publication, uh, they had researched this. He claimed that they had blown up a bank, and uh, the bank had no record of being attacked or any, any explosions. <laughs> no being blown up. <laughs> well, they must have lost the record. <laughs> yeah, so you, <laughs> you would think they might notice if they blew it up. But anyway, he went back to the U.S. with his mother and wife, his father they divorced at the age of 16 so we couldn't have done too much damage but you know a couple of years later um 
uh, Anderson Cooper exposed him. Uh, he was at some anti-terrorist uh, conference in South Dakota and was paid by one of the Health and Human Services or whatever alphabet soup agencies, something like five thousand dollars. And and he did a good sequence of exposing this man as a con man. But um, you know he has taken in and so. On that particular day, we urged our pastor to cancel this event. Well, they didn't, uh, and they had maybe six, seven hundred people. We stood out in 105 degree weather on the last day of Ramadan. We had two of our Muslim, dear Muslim friends, it makes me weep to think about it, that stood with us in um, in unity, and uh, so it's been easier for us to speak to Muslims. And I would recommend anybody that goes to our website, uh, be sure to watch our documentary, Christian Zionism, Tragedy and the Turning. And we're, uh, we're quite proud of this. We won an award at the Amar Popular Film Festival in Tehran in 2014. Now, did did, you, did you get to actually visit Tehran for that film festival? No. Uh, um, Chuck was hoping to go there. It was done through a, a, a filmmaker that promoted it for us. You know, we had to fill things out. And, and so, no, Chuck would have loved to gone. If we'd gotten the invite, we would have gone. And uh, But that was just unfortunate. So, we, you know, it's an honor that we, you know, we were... But uh, in this documentary, it's 29 minutes, uh, Chuck talks about the Schofield Reference Bible. Uh, Christian Zionism is a promoted uh, um, religion. It was promoted, actually, by uh, Cyrus Schofield, who had connections to uh, Zionists, actually. It was published by uh, the Schofield Reference Bible, which is a new, uh, the King James Version with his notes. It was published in 1909 by Oxford Press. Oxford Press had never published an American uh, author or a religious book until then. And, 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 uh, and, and this guy Schofield had no qualifications. He was just some kind of uh, con man, <laughs> snake oil salesman. Yeah, yeah, he cheated his mother-in-law. He deserted his wife and three children. Yeah, he was not a, a very reputable person. But, but it didn't, so didn't it like a Rothschild syndicate banker end up financing him? Yeah, uh, there was a guy named uh, um, uh, Untermeyer, Samuel Untermeyer, uh, who was a Zionist uh, Jewish uh, lawyer. Uh, he belonged to a very uh, uh, elite club called the Lotus Club that uh, that uh, Schofield was uh, invited into. And Schofield spent four years in Switzerland writing these notes. So there's there's a lot of interesting things about that but you could i would urge uh listeners to go to our website whtt.org listen to this christian zionism tragedy and turning and now a lot of the discussion there this is a really interesting point if you look closely at the credits chuck carlson is delivering this explanation on christian zionism at a mosque in detroit and uh you know we've been able to speak more at mosques to educate our, you know, our fellow uh, Muslims and Americans and so forth about the dangers of this this heresy. 
And I also, um, if you uh, look at our site too, I gave a talk here uh, on the day of El Quds a number of years ago, and I updated it, uh, explaining Christian Zionism to people, uh, to to Muslims, because I think there's there's a lot of misunderstanding, you know, about this. You know, just as Christians want to lump all uh, Muslims into uh, ISIS and you know that type of thing. Um, you know, it's it's crazy. And uh, anyway, we yeah. um, well, well, you, uh, you know, actually, uh, Tom, that Sheikh Imran Hossein has made a really interesting point that uh, the you know, Quran uh, does say that uh, among the, the closest in in uh, love and affection to Muslims will be those who say that they're Christian uh, because that they have they have monks and holy men and they're not arrogant Um and yeah. then there's another passage, though, that says, you know, don't take the uh, uh, Jews and Christians as your friends and allies or friends slash allies. And how do you reconcile that? Well, Sheikh Imran Hussein says that when the Quran tells us not to take the Jews and Christians as our friends and allies, that's Jews and Christians within brackets. That means the the Christian Zionists, the Judeo-Christians, those yeah who have joined together uh, under Zionism. So he sees that as a warning about the coming of uh, Zionism. And and so that would actually make good sense that the best friends of the Muslims would be real Christians, but the uh, we would have to be warned against the Christian Zionists. Well, that's exactly right. Uh, this has been over 10 years ago. I got an email. That may, uh, it was probably a little 12 years ago, it must have been 2009, I got an email from one of my fellow Christians uh, about this religious event in Missouri at a prison. And they invited all these religious leaders, a Catholic priest, and a, uh, I think there was a, a rabbi and, and a, a, a imam. And anyway, uh, this guy that was a Christian that had some ministry uh, supposedly badgered the imam and and uh, got the imam to say that uh, isn't it true that uh, if uh, you can't get somebody to can uh, you know uh, convert to Islam you got to kill them and you know when I read this thing I think oh my gosh uh, you know if that were true how would you get any converts if you had to kill them all. <laughs> You know, yeah. Anyways, yeah, yeah, I, wrote, yeah, I can't believe that kind of stuff. Yeah. These, these bizarre yeah. uh, well, hate legends about Muslims that you hear. Uh, it's completely insane. Yeah. Well, here's the interesting thing. Um, you know, um, uh, anyway, I did some research on it and the, the, the guy that was with this ministry had uh, backed off, but it was still floating around. It had been on the Internet for five years or something like that. So, you know, I said, uh, I, you know, I'm not going to defend uh, Islam. So I reached out to some of my Islamic friends, including uh, uh, Imam, and they wrote responses. And it turns out this quote unquote Imam was one of the prisoners that said he was a Muslim. So, you know, he wasn't even really an Imam, you know, so uh, that's the kind of thing. But I was I was on a list of a, a Zionist uh, Jew. I think he's passed away, but uh, I would say five years after I received that email, five or six years later, I get the same email from this this uh, Zionist Jewish guy, 
and uh, it says, pass this on before Sharia law comes into existence. You know, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, that's one of the things about the Internet. Um, my title of the article is The Internet Love Never Lies, But People Do, Why Some Christians Love to Hate Muslims. And that's one of the features is that, you know, this stuff persists there. And so people need to check things. And, of course, we know a lot of these fact checkers, when you, uh, you know, particularly with the scandemic that's going on now, they're all kind of inside fact checkers and getting paid by the likes of the Bill and Belinda Gates Foundation to corroborate their alleged uh, fact checking and so forth. So uh, it's quite interesting all this stuff is all very fascinating to me yeah well it's, it's interesting though that there's you know the, the fact checking around some of these issues uh of uh zionism and so on uh is is so terrible that you know the the fa- it's obviously the so-called you know the people that get called names the people that get called anti-semites for standing very strongly uh against the the crimes of zionism that get put down and shot down by the mainstream propagandists. But when you actually get into the facts, it's kind of shocking how, you know, how evil so many of these crimes of the Zionists have been just, you know, the, you know, when you start exploring the, you know, the background of the, the history uh, where Zionism comes from with Laurent Guyano's book from Yahweh to Zion and, and then you get into the, the 20th century with the, the world wars, the, the bankster cabal, the uh, political assassinations, including the Kennedys and, and uh, 9-11, among other events. And I guess the USS Liberty could be thrown in there, too, where you know, the world was almost yeah. destroyed in that one. You know, the, these over the top crimes uh, quite often are tied in with these Zionist extremists that there's there's a an evil that seems to be, you know, embedded in Zionism. And, and if you look theologically, it's so obvious where that would be like this. is I don't understand why Christians could ever fall for this, because where does Zionism come from? It comes from the false Messiah, Shabtai Zvi, who declared mm-hmm. himself the son of God uh, and, the, and the Jewish Messiah said, it's time to be Zionist and go back to the Holy Land and take it over for Jews. And we Jews will defeat all of the Goyim and rule the world from Jerusalem. And, you know, here he's calling on this ancient uh, Jewish messianic trope. And so that sets the stage that this this self-appointed false messiah, who was a Satanist, by the way, <laughs> and whose career peaked in the year 1666, uh, set the stage for Zionism, which is coming out of a religion that hates Jesus. <laughs> you know, the, the Muslims love Jesus, Christians love Jesus, and the Jewish religion has no use for Jesus. And then the Zionist extremist version of it and the the extreme tribalist version of Judaism really hates Jesus. And the satanic Zionist side of it is, you know, hates Jesus with a satanic passion. So that's what these people are worshiping when they worship Israel. It's, you know, I I think uh, they're really going to have their eyes opened when uh, they face judgment. Well, if they went on a tour like I did, where you actually uh, we even got to spend four nights with a Palestinian Christian family there in Bethlehem. But one of the concepts uh, that was given to me there, we went and worshipped at a couple little evangelical churches, was the concept of living stones and dead stones. 
most of the uh, tourists that go there, Christian tourists, only get to visit the dead stones. And what do I mean by that? For example, in Bethlehem, you have the Church of the Nativity over the site where Jesus was supposedly born. We don't know that. And, uh, you know, so they go there. They have to go through the checkpoint. Uh, they're literally walling in uh, Bethlehem. There's a wonderful movie, Open Bethlehem, about this process of walling in. So they got to go through a checkpoint. They change uh, the, to the, the guide, to a, 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 an Arab. They go see the holy site, and then they leave, maybe stop for tourists. But they don't get to interact with any of the living stones, the Palestinian Christians. And in Israel, uh, Christians are less than 2%, like 1.5%. And the big majority of those Christians are Muslims. The, the Messianic Jews, yes, they're there, but they're a very, very tiny portion of that. I don't know, something maybe less than 50. Wait, wait, when you, when you say that the Christians there are Muslims, uh, how do you mean that? I, I, I'm sorry, our Arabs. Arabs, <laughs> that, that oh, okay, Arab Christians, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's yeah. true that we we Muslims are followers of Jesus, uh, who's one of the yeah. you know the very highest and certainly the, the holiest of the yeah. prophets. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's right, and we you know uh, I, I'm a stickler. I've always you know I always operate under the facts. If I just get people the facts, they're going to believe me. Well, that doesn't work that way, you know. Uh, I, I, I'm 75 years old and. And it's taken me a long time to figure a lot of this stuff out. So, you know, uh, God's going to reveal to us what he wants to reveal to us. And uh, all we can do is challenge people and ask questions and, you know, have the dialogue. So that's what I love about your program uh, is that, you know, you really have a I don't know how you get all these things. And thank you for quick response inviting me on. This is um, this this is just amazing. Uh, that you know, we can tell our little story. There are more Christians. These are good, out great there stories, Tom. Yeah, well, in 2017, we uh, we did a vigil in front of the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, this this makes me. And, and Tom, we, we, we have about a minute, thirty seconds left here. So okay, well, let me just finish this story. Anyway, uh, we, we we they had their annual meeting there. And the new leader of the Religious Liberty and Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission is a guy named uh, uh, Russell Moore. He preached at the very same church we did our first vigil. I went to that church. I introduced myself. I gave my video to him. I gave the two flyers that we handed out to him. And I asked him, do you believe in divine providence? And he said, oh, yes. I said, we were here 14 and a half years ago because of the land letter. I didn't have to explain to him what the land letter was because he had gotten a lot of flack from Southern Baptists because he was challenging the idea of worshiping Donald Trump in 2016. <laughs> and we thought uh-huh. that. that, that <laughs> anyway. Well, yeah, and I, I, I do appreciate how guys like like you, Tom, and, and – uh, uh, Chuck Carlson and, and Chuck Baldwin. Funny how these two, you know, great uh, yeah, exposure to Christian Zionists are both Chucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Chuck would do the 180. Chuck Baldwin did a 180. And he was a oh, yeah. of- he's, he's great. Uh, so, hey, there's still some hope. There's some wonderful Christians out there. Thank you so much, Tom. Tom great yeah, talk. Thank you. God bless. Thank you. Bless you. Okay, thank you. Tom, Tom? Yeah.
Thank you for listening to Revolution Radio. The evasive. But that doesn't mean that they're telling the truth as opposed to fiction. And Genesis chapter 6, verse 4, and there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came and unto the daughters of men, indicating that there were giants before the Nephilim. And sons of God, plural. They weren't talking about Jesus coming down. So, no, that, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I'm Steve Crawford, host of Factor Theory Live. Join me every Sunday night from 10 p.m. till midnight, Eastern Standard Time, on Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. Check it out. I am Bill Johnson. Some consider my efforts to be an underground law school. I am not an attorney, and I do not give legal advice. I teach. That's lawful and legal. Consider yourself served. You are to appear Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, Studio A. My forte? Foreclosure and contract law. Grab your legal pad and pen. Learn a broad spectrum of law spanning administrative, criminal, family, tort, and federal law. Fools and losers cling to old cases. I dissect and comment on the latest rulings that control the courts. Don't be a loser. And if you don't appear, you will be held in contempt. Transcending time and space, let us take you to the place inside your mind where thoughts divide and mysteries unwind. Join us every Monday evening right here on Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And you will catch...